You're Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLocal and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like this episode and want to be tuned in to the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so doesn't cost you a single penny and ensures you never miss another episode. On tonight's episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some of the scorelines from around the league and then talk a little bit about the standings and, and what they say about the North Division, specifically where Winnipeg kind of falls in this pack. And maybe what might happen once the Jets actually go back to the Central Division if that actually takes place next season, which it, it all seems like it's going to happen, but even then, there's still probably at least a little bit of uncertainty. But first, let's take a look at some of these scorelines from around the league. So, yesterday we had a couple of interesting games going on. We had Edmonton beating Montreal 4-1. We're starting off with North Division opponents because, let's be honest, most of you are probably more interested in the Canadian standings than the others. The Oilers technically came back in this game to win, but obviously I think, you know, a one-goal lead for Montreal is not exactly that hard to surmount. The Habs have kind of fallen off ever since Ducharme took over. I think a lot of what he's struggling with, aside from some mediocre goaltending and poor defense, the team just plays very disorganized hockey. I've caught a few glimpses of how they've been playing over the past couple of games, and I'm not overly impressed. I feel like the, the Habs are really leaderless right now, not not necessarily in the sense of like a, a captaincy that's missing or something. It just feels like, tactically speaking, they don't have the direction they need. And of course, missing Brendan Gallagher and Yoel Armia at times has been a huge strain on that offense, but by the same token, they also just look like they don't really know what's going on for the rest of the skaters. Shea Weber is also really struggling with the amount of ice time that he's getting. He's been given a lot of minutes, and it can it's definitely starting to show, uh, especially with his age. You know, when that P.K. Subban deal happened, Weber was very productive and, and spent several seasons in very good form, but now age is starting to catch up to him. The Oilers, for their part, got a lot of contributions from players you probably expect. McDavid, Puyayarvi, you know, the usual suspects. A couple of contributions from guys who aren't exactly on the first line, but certainly Ethan Bear's goal had assists from Puyayarvi and McDavid, so you can tell a lot of the offensive output is still coming through the sticks of those top-line players. I think, again, Edmonton has basically stuck to this formula of really riding McDavid and his unit really hard and just hoping like the rest of the, the skaters essentially keep up. I think that's the main thing. I think the biggest question when it comes to Edmonton for me is is how sustainable that is because you look at the way that the Oilers play and, and certainly they figured out the Jets. You know, they can shut down the Jets. Winnipeg really struggles against them. I think a lot of teams might actually have some issues with the way that Tippett likes to lock up the, the neutral zone. But by the same token, once teams sort of get around their whole tactical game plan of just sort of dumping the puck and trying to keep possession away from Edmonton's half of the ice, I, I don't know if the Oilers can really, you know, contain a lot of pressure. If you start creating like a zone cycle against them, defensively this team is not exactly resilient. I, I see a lot of gaps where the Oilers do give up space, and when they do sort of collapse defensively, it's often to try and drive themselves right in front of their own slot and block shots hoping some sort of desperation play is, is going to end up giving them the best result, which I feel like is going to bite you eventually if you start playing teams more frequently like Toronto. 
you can sort of clog and block the lanes for the Jets because Winnipeg, you know, certainly has a lot of issues at times creating consistent offense in specific ways. I feel like if you understand how to stop Winnipeg's breakouts and rush chances, then you sort of understand how to stifle a lot of what the Jets try to do. But, you know, if you have a lot of in-zone cycling and passing and certainly cross-slot passes from teams like Toronto and a few others... I don't get the sense that the Oilers are particularly well-equipped to handle that. Certainly, they are going to have plenty of opportunities going the other way once McDavid is on the ice, but when you don't have him on the ice, I feel like the odds that Edmonton is able to cope are, are certainly reduced. This still doesn't really give me hope that the Jets are going to have this figured out come postseason time, because I feel like their collision course with Edmonton, especially in the first round, is not going to favor the Jets unless, I don't know, Winnipeg starts getting aggressive and really pressures Edmonton. My guess is Maurice does what he always does and hard matches the 97 line because that seems to be the trend and despite it not working for 5 out of 7 games, he still goes back to it. I always love the commentators talking about best on best with that matchup because it's not really best on best if your if you're, you know, Shifley line is kind of getting caved in on every single shift. There were times where the Shifley line was able to create against McDavid's unit, but it wasn't very frequently and certainly not enough to essentially suggest that that unit deserves to start over another. So yeah, I'm not really holding my breath for that one. Um, I, I would expect that the Jets have some issues coming into the postseason with the, the leaky defense and really just struggling to find any sort of offense that's not based on the rush. I think a lot of what Winnipeg does so well, especially with Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor and a few other guys, is when they create these rush chances, they get a lot of defensive structures moving. You know, Ehlers is always really effective when he's skating around the perimeter. And sure, Nick will certainly attack the slot, but I think so much of what he does when he wants to draw a defender out away from the slot area to, to find either a teammate or to just sort of skate around the perimeter himself and look for a better shooting angle, that's a, a different kind of style of play than what you would probably look for from a team like Toronto. And in my mind, I think the Jets need to get a little bit more creative in terms of how they're moving the puck inside the offensive zone, especially against teams that really park the bus. Edmonton has this sort of style where they basically collapse really, you know, a really condensed structure right in front of their goaltender. And in theory, that should create gaps, especially if you're on the power play or something. But for some reason, the Jets just seem to struggle against this style of hockey, and I don't really know why. I get it if you're struggling because Edmonton just dumps the puck down the ice, but you still have plenty of time to reset and start to think about your offensive approaches a little bit differently. You know, if you're still trying to go through the same neutral zone entries and stuff, and, and certainly the same offensive zone entries that keep getting stopped, change it up. Let your defenders take part in the rush, especially the ones who are very capable in possession. You know, look for a, a few different passing options. Maybe don't rely on rush offense as much. For one thing, Winnipeg's roster doesn't exactly have as much top-end speed as it used to a couple of seasons ago, so maybe changing a few strategies here and there to sort of suit where your roster is now might not be a bad idea. I'm not really feeling great about this one, to be honest. I just feel like Winnipeg, you know, I mentioned on the last episode, I felt the way that the, the Oilers were sort of shutting down the Jets' offense was probably something that's repeatable and consistent. If the Jets don't figure out how to adjust against this Oilers team in the next two or so games, they're going to be in serious trouble. So let's hope they can figure out how to take down these teams that tend to bunker against them as deeply as the uh, the Oilers do. Of course, the Oilers weren't the only team to take on, you know, another North Division opponent. In just a moment, we'll take a look at Ottawa versus Calgary, which I caught like the last couple of minutes of. Funny scoreline on that one. Before I tell you about some of our Canadian Division neighbors, I did want to let you know about why rockauto.com should be the only place you buy your auto parts. When it comes to auto parts shopping, a lot of us are probably pretty inexperienced. You may not know what you're looking for, or even if you do, you might not know the best prices to be paying. You need a trusted industry name that's going to have your back at all times, and that's why you should look no further than rockauto.com. 
RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, as well as setting a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you're looking for a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, RockAuto.com is sure to have what you need in stock at the best prices available. You might save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing, so why shop anywhere else? There are no membership fees to shop, and everyone always pays the same prices. When you place your order, be sure to write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today and tell them locked on sent you. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring. Ideal for engagements, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece, they're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight, and they're fairly priced, so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. We talked about it in the studio, and everyone had a different favorite, but we all just love the one by Aurora Lopez Mejia. It's amazing the way the word love is stamped into the gold. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you'll definitely be wanting to check this one out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10x10 only at BlueNile.com. Again, that's 10x10 at BlueNile.com. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are peeking in at some of the scorelines from around the league, some of which are a little bit more relevant to the Jets. And then, of course, later we'll talk about the standings and where Winnipeg really fits in this scheme. But before we go any further, I did want to tell you about why the Locked On Podcast Network's NFL draft coverage should be in your rotation right now. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th through May 1st. I certainly know I'll be catching some of their draft coverage. Hopefully the Ravens get a few really good draft picks and, and certainly some prospects to add to the roster. Speaking of rosters laden with prospects, we have another North Division matchup, this time with a team that is very much rich with prospects of a sort, and that's the Ottawa Sens facing the Calgary Flames. Ottawa ended up winning this one 4-2, even though they were slightly edged in shot totals. I will say that I think the Sens are one of those really pesky teams, and to be honest, Calgary is sort of... Maybe not sort of, they're absolutely in decline. I think the Flames are in a really tough spot because the past couple of seasons... I think those were probably their best chances to make some playoff noise. This team has definitely struggled to live up to expectations, and to be honest, the the Flames just don't really have a lot of offensive depth. You know, head coach Daryl Sutter is trying to make at least some of this roster work, but I think the biggest issue right now is that they don't really have a lot of high-end talent. There is definitely some really good players on this roster, guys like Johnny Goudreau, Rasmus Anderson, Yusuf Alamaki when he draws in, you know, they also have some really good forwards and guys like Elias Lindholm as well, but I I also think that they just don't really have, like, a really centerpiece forward outside of Goudreau that can elevate their team to the next level, and they would probably need a couple of these kinds of players. You know, you see McDavid and Drysaddle really spearheading the the Oilers' success, and it's it's obvious that you don't really want to build in that particular way because I think Edmonton has a lot of other long-term problems, but... You also look at the Flames and you're kind of like, yeah, this roster doesn't really have a lot to write home about. And I think that that's a serious issue with the way that they've done some of their contracts and and some of the prospects that they've brought in. You know, some of them have made the lineup. Andrew Mangiapane definitely comes to mind. 
but they've also brought in some players who I probably would not have really felt were going to be difference makers at the NHL level. You know, Michael Stone on your second or third pairing at times, probably not ideal. And, you know, Milan Lucic, while he is occasionally effective on the forecheck, and he certainly does have wheels for a guy who's supposedly like a, you know, a third or a fourth liner, I also think his game is very meat and potatoes now. And he's more likely to injure another player than he is to have a really tangible impact on the game in a way that's, again, you know, not related to injuring other opponents. So I just look at this, uh, this, this Flames roster and I'm just kind of wondering what exactly is the next step because it seems to me like they need to rebuild. I don't know if Gaudreau is going to stick around with all of this stuff that's kind of happened with the team. If I were him, I would probably be looking for a way out because, to be honest, he doesn't have many, you know, many more seasons where he's going to be playing at a really high level. And the Flames kind of need to start over in some ways. I, I think Brad Treleving has basically overextended the lifespan of this team and probably needed to tear it down last season. But they, you know, continue on, and I think that that team probably needs to reevaluate the situation and take a long, hard look this offseason at starting over again. If you're losing at home to the Sens, you've probably got some serious issues, and it's not like Calgary has been winning many games as of late. They're definitely struggling to create offense, and to be honest, a real rough team. Outside of the North, we did have some funny score lines that would probably be fun to mention today. Um, we had New Jersey losing to Pittsburgh 6-7 to earlier this afternoon. And what's really crazy is I'm pretty sure the Pens were up something like 5 nothing or 6 nothing at one point before somehow the, the Devils ended up scoring, you know, six goals to almost bring it to a tying situation. If you're the Pens, that's probably not what you want to be doing, especially once you near the postseason. You know, you see the next scoreline, which is the Islanders versus the Rangers, and the Islanders very much put their opponents away 6-1. to one. The Pens definitely have the potential to be a really dominant playoff threat, but certainly their goaltending and the defense will want to shore up some things before they get into the, the deeper playoff runs. The last scoreline I'll touch on is uh, Florida beating Columbus 5-1, which is um, a rough outing for the, the Blue Jackets. They have not been winning many games as of late. And it's kind of crazy because, you know, I, I think the Blue Jackets, everyone was like, oh, you know, Patrick Liney and Jack Roslevic, they're going to be so good for this team. They're going to make them so much better. And the reality is quite the opposite. You know, Roslevic had a really good scoring run early and he does still continue to produce points. But I think the issue of him not really being a center continues to be something of a point of contention with his performance. And then looking at Liney, who's just really regressed and not really been able to do much at all recently, you know, Patrick is just going to have to find a team that's actually capable of using his skill sets. When Line is not engaged and not interested, I think you're going to see a lot more performances like this where he just doesn't really take part in the play and he's not really interested in actually participating. And some of it might not be intentional, it's just he's demotivated right now and he doesn't get along with the coaching staff. At times we did see this with the Jets, it's not like it's a new thing, but certainly Line tried to work very hard over the past couple of seasons with Winnipeg to really round out his game and improve. But he just seems like he hates being with Columbus right now so long as Tortorella is coach, and I, I don't know if he's going to be there for much longer, especially as we start to near his next uh, contract negotiations. Who knows, Line A can be a bit of an enigma, and maybe he'll just wait out for whatever Jarmo Kekalainen promises to be coming through the doors for the team soon. Maybe Gerard Gallant will make an appearance for the Jackets, um, but I don't know. That team definitely has a serious talent deficiency, and it's not going to be getting any better over the next couple of seasons until they start bringing in some really high-level prospects. Oh well, not Winnipeg's problem. They've got their own issues to sort out, especially trying to figure out their playoff opponents in Edmonton and hopefully getting Pierre-Luc Dubois back on track. But as far as fun scorelines are concerned, that will do it for uh, our thoughts on tonight's episode. We'll have more scorelines throughout the rest of the week until the Jets are actually back in action. To close this out this evening, I did want to actually take a look at the standings and see how the Jets sort of stack up against their competition because I don't think it's nearly as good as people probably imagine it to be. 
Before I go any further though, I did want to tell you about why BetOnline.ag should be the only place you do your online betting. The wild west of online betting means that you don't really know who you can trust. You need a safe, reliable, and convenient name that always delivers every single time. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, international soccer, NHL, and so many other sports are all in full swing. Not into sports? No problem. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, featuring real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to place a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion, or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show next. BetOnline is also your number one source for all the news, scores, and odds you need to make the most informed bets every single time. You'll always have the tools and information you need to make the best bets. Getting started couldn't be easier. Register for a free account at betonline.ag, which you can do either on your mobile device or on your desktop, and when you sign up, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus when you make your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight with some thoughts about the Jets and where they really stand in the NHL. I think it's interesting to note that a lot of people have thought about Winnipeg being in the second spot in the North Division as a great sign. To be honest, though, the Oilers have a game in hand, and they're only one point back of the Jets, so um, I don't think it's nearly as good as they would hope. Considering that Oilers team has taken five of seven games against the Jets this season, you can kind of get a sense of why there is a uh, not much of a like a points margin between these two teams. Montreal is pretty distantly in fourth. I don't think that they're much of a threat at this stage, but um, certainly you look at the Leafs being in first at 61 points which is a couple of games over the Jets, and you think to yourself, well, that's not that bad. But I, I think the bigger concern is that the Jets are, are sort of, I don't know, they're, they're a team that I don't really put a lot of faith in. League-wide, which doesn't really mean the normal stuff that it does in most other seasons because these teams are all playing only divisional opponents, the Jets are still coming in around 11th between Pittsburgh and Boston. I certainly rate the Pens to be a much better team than I do the Jets, and Boston maybe can be that way. Um, The the Oilers, I think, are not necessarily better than the Jets, but certainly tactically speaking, they found a formula to beat Winnipeg consistently. I think being ranked around 11 to 15 is probably a pretty fair range for the Jets. I, I don't know that in a normal season they would really be doing this well. I think the Jets are probably looking at a more middle-of-the-pack record if they actually had to face opponents outside of this division. The North is definitely one of those where it's like, you know, the lack of defense might be a bit of a benefit to the Jets, but you start playing Vegas and Colorado and some of these other teams more frequently, it's a little less than stellar. Uh, And that's actually something I wanted to think about, you know, going into next season, the Jets are going to be probably going back into the Central Division. There aren't that many teams in the Central that I would be concerned about. Chicago is not particularly great. They're certainly rebuilding, and I can imagine that their record this year, which is is not terrible, it's like 21-20-5, you know, it looks like a 500 team. I would suspect it'll decline next year when they actually have to play more quality opponents more frequently. And then St. Louis, the Blues are just kind of like in a really dangerous spot of being, you know, skilled and talented, but kind of bad. So they aren't a team that I, I'm afraid of, but I, I do get nervous when it comes to like Colorado, maybe Nashville, and Minnesota. Those three teams... You know, Nashville being, I I would say, the weakest of those three, you know, Avalanche are are just in another tier of hockey. The Wild are just pretty good overall. You know, they certainly have some decent goaltending in Cam Talbot, and they've got a pretty resolute defense with some really talented forwards, and the emergence of uh, Kirill Kaprizov has certainly made their goal scoring a little bit more prolific. And we know the Preds have been something of a thorn in Winnipeg's side over the past few years. I, I don't think that that team nowadays is going to be as much of a threat, but I think about the Wild and the uh, the Avs being a serious thorn in Winnipeg's side. 
because it's going to be tough for the Jets to keep up with, uh, especially with the Avs. The Wild, I think Winnipeg probably matches up pretty favorably against, but you put them against the Avs, and I feel like Colorado might just run over the Jets pretty quickly. They've got tons of skill all up and down the lineup. Their their defense is pretty strong in terms of really skilled puck movers who are offensively aggressive. They might not suppress as many chances, but they usually have a pretty reliable stable of goaltenders who can at least be league average. So, you know, once next season rolls around, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets start to falter around 4th or 5th in the division. I feel like once they're back in the Central, it's going to be tough for them to get back into the top 3. Especially if Dallas ends up somehow recovering and looking more like a a quality NHL squad. I think the rest of the teams in the Central are, are decent enough to give the Jets some fits, but not exactly dangerous. Especially teams like the Blues that are definitely starting to fade, but the top end of the Central is going to be a seriously tough nut to crack, and I think something that the Jets you know, may not be getting as many good looks at. So hopefully the Jets take advantage of this postseason picture to try and get something out of it. I don't want them eliminated in the first round against the Oilers. That'd be very depressing, but I'm also not going to be shocked if it happens. I'd love to know your thoughts on where you think the Jets will start to uh, essentially finish as we get into this postseason and into next year when the divisions align back to where they should be. For tonight's show, that will do it, though. Before you log off, don't forget our NFL Mock Draft coverage. The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey is happening right now, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, and Brian Baldinger. Our local experts for every team make trades and pick the next stars of their team. Search The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Odyssey is your home for all sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y Odyssey. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!